Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John. Here with me today are Brian. Hey. And Alex. Hello. This week, we're going to talk about Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, maybe some WrestleQuest, and possibly a little Baldur's Gate 3 before Starfield comes out, dominates our lives for the foreseeable future. But before we get to all that, you can find all the places you can listen to the show at MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network is a Patreon. Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks to JCK, Tom Z, David O, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks to join the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes we call Side Quests. Side Quests are where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. As always, we do appreciate feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Alex, any bumpers for the network? Yes. There's an episode of the Midwest Film Nerds out covering Gran Turismo. It's just what? our what? review what? from last episode cut into cut down to just the Gran Turismo talk. So you've already heard that if you're listening to this, probably. Uh, other than that, Horror Movie Yearbook, they have talked about Haunt, the 2019 film. And then uh, they have a tiny tear out because Willie went and saw the Ghost and Aman Amarth concert that was at Pine Knob recently. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who those bands are. Ghost is fucking cool. That's great. They're like, they dress like, they dress like, uh, like, what? what's the word? Uh, like, pap, papal, papalcy? Like, like, like priests uh, and pa- shit? Papal, papal, papal garb? Yeah. Like the main, the lead singer dresses like a pope, <laughs> but like a, like like is a, this ghost like a, or a monomarth? Uh, a ghost. ghost. Okay. But like a demonic pope, like he's yeah. dressed in like in like all black and gold garb typically, and he paints his face kind of like a skull, kind of like the I face that appears, kind of like the face that appears in the shadows in The Exorcist. <laughs> they they usually do variations on that theme, like the attire changes each album. It's it's always around that theme though. Yeah, it's Pretty very re- religious looking. Um, I I had tickets to see them once, and it was on a Monday, and I gave my ticket away at the last minute because I was feeling that lazy. But I really regret that I should have gone to see them. Yeah, right. I've heard they're a lot of fun, like yeah. a lot of fun to see live. They're not really well, anything I'm personally into, but uh, I know I have a bunch of friends who listen to them, so. Well, they played on August 14th at Pine Knob Music Theater, So, because uh, we're back to calling it Pine Knob, as we should have been a long time ago. Uh, and Willie went to see them, so check out the latest Tiny Terror on Horror Movie Book for his thoughts on the Ghost and Aman Amarth show. Cool. I wouldn't be surprised if Sleep Token was inspired by them. Mm. Okay. At least with the whole concept behind their, like, religious look. Yeah. And and whatnot. They've been Cult, around a while cult, now. Like, yeah, they've been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, like, it, it feels like something, like, you, no, not, there's no ill will towards Willie in this, but I feel like a lot of Willie's, like, wheelhouse is, like, I, Willie's got a large wheelhouse for music, really, honestly, but... When I think of Willie, I think of like eighties ish and could be anywhere from like Roxette, she's got the look to like fucking Megadeth or something. I don't know. But 
there's a wide swath in there, and so I feel like ghosts would probably have to be somewhat older for Willie to kind of care. Would be my not guess. that old, but they do. They're clearly inspired by eighties. Okay, yeah, metal definitely. and stuff for sure. They would but, probably um, do they, it then. They've okay. been around at least fifteen years, I would say. I also Swedish like. I like band. their logo. I think their logo's cool. I think their general like aesthetic is pretty rad. Like they've got a cool thing going on, and they're super unique. And they're one of those bands that like is instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. If if you're if you have any like, you know, if you're in the know. Yeah. Uh, two thousand six was when they started. Okay. And the. Frontman is Papa Emeritus the Fourth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so beautiful. All right, uh, shall we talk about video games? Yeah. What are you playing on your Xbox or on your PlayStation or on your Nintendo Switch? What you've been playing? Here we are. I've been playing video all games. kinds of shit. I know. You've been playing a lot of You've stuff. You've played more video games than I have, it seems. I played a lot. I played... I got my B license in Gran Turismo. Nice. nice. That's cool. With my souped up, like, Isuzu or whatever the hell it is. I don't even know what, what car it is. Further than I ever got in the original <laughs> Gran Turismo for PlayStation 1. So I've done that. Gran Turismo 7 is pretty sweet. Uh, I think... When I, I I feel like such an idiot because I didn't pull the trigger on that wheel that I saw. Uh, I should have because it was like 40% off. But uh, I think I want to get a wheel that works on all of my things. So PC, Xbox, and PlayStation well, so I can use it interchangeably. I don't uh, know that that exists. I don't know about it that does. either. The, okay. the G923 does work with all three systems despite hmm. button layouts. Um, and... You can, uh, like the G29, which is the one that was on sale, is PlayStation and PC only. It does not work on Xbox. But you can play the PC games, like the Forza games, on PC with that wheel, because I've done that. But most of my gaming happens in the living room with consoles now. So, I don't know. Anyways. Good uh, to know. I would imagine the expensive Fantech shit works with everything too. It doesn't. It's dependent really? on which it depends on which wheel you get. Oof. They're, yeah. But anyways, that's besides the point. The point is, uh I feel like that game needs the wheel. Like playing with a controller isn't great, but it works. Like it's good enough, I guess, to like I'm still enjoying it and like like doing the training missions to get the B license, like to doing those like is kind of fun because it's like a challenge of yourself. Like I can, you know, I'm sitting there like trying to take this corner properly and get my get, get my cornering lessons done, and it's like okay, uh, I can do better than that. Like I know I can do better than that, and then I felt compelled to like keep doing it until I was getting a better time. You know, like learning yeah. how to manipulate the controller the right way, and like that's the thing about like analog controls is. With most other games, you don't really pay attention to the sensitivity of the analog controls. You're just kind of like doing the thing. You want to move forward, you pull the stick all the way forward. You know, you want to move backwards, you pull the stick all the way backwards. You want to look left and right, you use the other stick, move left and right, whatever. 
you got to fire a gun, you're pulling the trigger. Like, that's how you play those games. With a racing game, you're actually like, you know, especially one like Gran Turismo where the physics and everything are all in play. I may be hammering the accelerator on a, on, on a car to go full speed, but when I have to slow down to take a turn properly, I'm like feathering the brake pedal to like make the turn work the way it needs to work to shave milliseconds off my time in order to get a better time. <laughs> and like, is there, is there, do the triggers adapt for this game at all? Do you feel yes. resistance? when yes. you Okay. Interesting. It's awesome. It works really well. It's very, very cool. cool, but it's still like when you're doing that, you're like, okay, I wish like I, I feel I'm sitting there. I'm like, I think I could do this better if I had an actual wheel. Yeah. Like I pedals. think I would be better at this game in general. If I actually were driving like a, an actual wheel and pedals and everything like it doesn't because the controller doesn't quite translate it it works for you know for just casual playing or whatever but if you want to like really get into it which obviously like the movie did you know you're going to want to wheel and pedals if you want to be the next Jan Martinborough yeah I I definitely have some thoughts on that subject before you move on to other games. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to move on yet. I, I wanted okay, to good. add that. I, I still haven't hooked up the VR headset, but I did <sighs> want to comment on... I, the reason I haven't hooked it up is because I want to play it with the wheel. Like, I want to <laughs> do the VR headset with the wheel. You want to do it wheel. all at once. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah, because, like, what's the point in, like, spoiling that experience with, like, a controller in your hand? You know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't I hear know. that. But I wanted to comment on the fact that it's great. The new VR headset is great because you only have to plug in one cord. One cable, like, yeah. It's pretty fantastic that it does it that way. Like, for me, like, if, if awesome. and when I do actually bring it over to your house to use, it's easier. not like I have to... Yeah, I, I don't have to unplug the camera and disconnect that and the yeah. breakout box. And, like, there's not three, like, HDMI cables that need to be reconfigured in order to make it work, you know? And then you don't have this, like, super heavy, like, 12-gauge wire or however many-gauge wire that, that it is that coming off of the box to the headset. It's one USB-C cord, and it's really fucking long. So... yeah. Even with, like, the index, I'm like, oh, I got to set up lighthouses and put them in, like, the right corners and they can see, like, a big field of view where I could be playing that kind of thing. The fact that you don't even need to think about that with the PSVR sounds so nice. Yeah, so it's, like, the fact that that is, that the PSVR is the way that it is now with PSVR 2, single cord, awesome. Like, that is so cool because I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, man, how am I going to plug in this wheel and all this shit? And then I was like... And I got to plug in the headset and I was like, oh, wait, the headset just plugs right into the front of the console and the wheel will plug into like the USB ports on the back of the console or whatever. I think yeah. I think it only needs one cord, right, need, Brian? Because the, needs... the pedals plug into the wheel and the wheel yeah. plugs into the console. Yeah, it needs just one USB to interface with whatever device you're using, but it also needs uh, power from the wall. Mm. Oh, OK. I did. Oh, the... probably for the force feedback. And yes, shit. Yeah, yeah. it takes okay, way too sense. much. And the force feedback is like a that's a game changer right there. It is intense, even on that, the Logitech one, is that which what is you were gonna speak to. Like is that one is of the there? things. There's a lot okay. I have a lot of thoughts on this. That's fine. I will say like I I used it on the wheel, I've used it on PC games. I tried it with a Seto Corsa, I think it's called. Yeah, a Seto Corsa, um, which is a sim game on steam that's pretty accurate 
from what I understand. Um, and I went through a whole tutorial to get it like set up properly for it. Cause there's a lot of different things you can fine tune with the wheel, hmm. like the dead zone and all that stuff. Um, and then I used it with Forza Horizon and I also went through a tutorial on how to dial it in properly. Um, and it felt pretty good in those games, but GT, I barely did a thing. It was just like plug and play. And I felt like I was driving a car. That's badass. That's and I so never, I never sweet. even touched the controller with Gran Turismo. I wanted to see what the controller was like just because of the, the triggers and how they work. But I just didn't see the point once I started driving with the wheel. I it's yeah. it's a different story, I would say, with Forza Horizon because I'm so used to playing that game with the controller at this point that I could see myself kind of switching back and forth. I I have won races with the wheel, but it's harder. It's yeah, actually yeah. it's easier for me to play with the controller. Um, but since I've never played a Gran Turismo game really more than a few minutes, I I felt like starting with the wheel and sticking with the wheel was the, the way to go since I got Gran Turismo because I got the wheel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the force feedback on the wheel is strong. Like, it, it, it could probably hurt somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um. Is it like driving a car that doesn't have power steering? <laughs> I mean, so. if it maybe if the car doesn't have power steering, but it, it's just <laughs> like, um, yeah, and a lot of the cars in that game probably don't. But um, it's just when you're, you know, spinning out or just accelerating like a lot, and and then like the the. Uh, wheel like the torque drags the car to one side or whatever you actually have to battle the steering wheel to keep the car straight you're building and the muscle mass fighting the it G-forces. is actually it, it's a it's a, a light workout to actually use it yeah. it's pretty intense hmm. um i will say the wheel is definitely on the small side for the the logitech was it the g29 yeah the g29 have, yeah um, it's hard to keep all those model numbers straight, honestly, but, uh, like the, the pedals feel really good. They're arguably like shape wise, they're probably better than the pedals in my actual car, but, um, they feel wise, not necessarily, but, uh, that they, they do like, they have a good spring to them. Clutch is pretty nice. Um, is there any yeah, rumble you, in those? Um, no. no. And there's no like adaptive like the triggers in the dual sense. It's not they can't like adjust the pedal based on what car you're driving or how you tune it. No, they're not, just not pretty in much the, in the Logitech ones, I don't think. But some of the Thrustmaster pedals use magnets. Mm. Um and I don't know if they can I don't, they may be uh adaptive. How do they work? <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> um I wonder how many people are going to get that reference. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like. I, that's the thing is, I've been shopping all these different wheels, and like everybody's like, "Oh, the Logitech G twenty nine is really good," and like the Thrustmaster T three hundred, and blah blah blah. And then, like, 
you get all these people who, on Reddit who are like, these, this and this and this. These All these different uh, wheels and pedal sets are great. And then as soon as you get through like the top three comments that are all like praising these things, it's like hundreds of comments of them being like, this is this is shit. This this product is garbage. Like, don't buy it. It's cheap. It feels like crap. Like, so I'm having a really hard time like deciding which wheel and pedal set I want to get. I, and I sh- that's why I'm saying I should have just bought the Logitech one when it was on sale and just been done yeah, with it. Yeah, because it's like, not as cheap now. <laughs> yeah, I no, looked the other day and it went back up. Yeah, it was, like, it was like... only like 15% off as opposed to like 40% off. And I'm super mad at myself for not just doing it when I saw it. I, I think will you say... just wait for like a Black Friday sale at this point because there's probably going to be something. Yeah. I cannot recommend buying the, the stick shift attachment for $60. I feel like it's a ripoff. It feel it is very cheap feeling compared to the rest of it. The rest bummer. of it feels great and solid, but yeah, it, it it's a real bummer because, you know, having driven a manual since the nineties, almost exclusively, I uh, since the advent <laughs> of the automobile. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kidding, not the nineties. It was the early two thousands. That's right, but um, yeah, I. I like to drive with the stick because that's what I'm used to. I'm not used to paddle shifters, but it is not good. Like I would put it, uh, probably on par with my 1990, whatever, 1990 escort and garbage feeling quality. <laughs> yeah. The clutch is way better though on, on the Logitech <laughs> than, than the escort. <laughs> yes. They should just let you put one of the PSVR controllers, like, upright, and you can just, like, move it like a gearbox. <laughs> that would be interesting. But, uh, yeah, like, Dave and I, when we went to North Carolina last fall, we went to the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and they have, like, a NASCAR driving sim that you can, like, do a time trial, like, pre-run to see what your pole, like, your pole position is or whatever, uh, your starting position, because pole position is the one at the lead or whatever, uh, and and then once you do that, like you qualify and then you go in and you actually do like a race against other people. And like that was all paddle shifters. And it like that felt really natural to me still, even though like, I'm used to driving an actual stick shift as well. But I think uh, like I'm I'm like really excited to get my hands on an actual wheel and pedal set to play this because it just. The amount of fun I had playing it the other night, and I played for a few hours, like, straight. Like, Megan went yeah, out with stuff Brian. Yeah, addictive. Yeah, Megan went out with Brian, and, like, as soon as she was gone, I'm like, well, I'm going to play a racing game so she doesn't think I'm some weird nerd, like, car nerd now. And, like, so I started playing Gran Turismo, and I played it the entire time she was gone, which was a couple hours. You know, you I got run through, out like, to buy that uh, the, the wheel so you could get it in there before she yeah. got home. <laughs> and, and, like... You know, I got got through the tutorial stuff and started doing the the trials uh, so I could get my B license, got the B license, like signed up for like a couple of other races, like did, you know, like there was like a a double race circuit that I had to run or something like that, like did all that shit. And I had a lot of fun. Like, it's a fun. The racing games are probably underrated in like the mainstream, you know, everybody's over here are underrated for sure. Everybody's over here jerking off Call of Duty and it's like, you know what, like, (laughs) let's let's jerk off NASCAR for a minute, you know, like. (laughs) Sure. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm really enjoying Gran Turismo. I want to play more of it. Uh, I've decided that between that, WrestleQuest, 
Armored Core and Starfield and Baldur's Gate. Like I'm going to have to start like allocating certain days of the week to which <laughs> games I play because I'm able to like find at least an hour every night to play something. So if mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, Monday nights are podcast night, Tuesday nights actual D&D night. So like maybe Wednesday will be Baldur's Gate night, Thursday's Gran Turismo, Friday's WrestleQuest. And then Saturday and Sunday are Starfield. <laughs> I thought about doing that with like video games versus TV versus movies versus books. Yeah. But I'm just too tired to do any of it every night, so I don't do any of so it. So I just go to bed. <laughs> you just play Marvel Snap. I sit there and play Marvel Snap on my phone, and then I go to sleep at one in the morning. <laughs> And then I'm tired again the next day. What do you know? Yeah. No, that's the thing. I'll fall asleep. I'll start falling asleep, and then I start playing Marvel Snap to keep myself awake. <laughs> and then I just end up tilted and pissed you, all night. You, I was going to say, you got to, are you going to get, when you get the, are you just buying the wheel so you can play Marvel Snap while you're doing races in Gran Turismo? <laughs> yeah, because I can't hold a cell phone and drive anymore in Michigan. <laughs> that should be your streamer, your streamer neck. You I'd be lying cameras. if I said I haven't played Marvel Snap while driving. I'm just <laughs> you need, you need you need two cameras. You have one camera from above that shows your phone. You got to get one of those phone mounts for the racing wheel, but it's your steering wheel. Like you have it inlaid there, and you can sit there and play that and have a camera on that while you're streaming out the race that you're doing. And you're just like <laughs> driving into the wall because you're like <laughs> fucking trying, <laughs> yeah. uh, trying to swipe a card that. up. Yeah. Brian, did you uh, have any other Gran Turismo thoughts? Um, I, yeah. Since the movie and now that John's talking about it, I'm like, I really need to, I need to allocate some time to that, but I've been just like all Baldur's Gate any chance I get lately. After seeing the movie, I very, and, and like, I think that was timed pretty closely with the PlayStation Days of Summer sale or something. I was like, I should buy this. And then I was like, I don't have time to play any of the games that I've bought, so I'm not going to do that. But, I, you know, so it almost worked on me. Uh, but it, it worked. It worked on me. It I mean, that, John. Yeah. I got that, one of us. <laughs> nailed <laughs> it. had Brian. Nailed it. I was going to look up and see how that movie did real quick before we step away from Gran Turismo. Probably not that uh, great. I haven't heard anyone talking about Barbie, it. But Barbie's in its like 35th week. Uh, that's not true. It's uh, it's uh, week number five for Barbie, and it just barely beat it, which not great. But also August, I think, is typically kind of rough for movies, too. So, well, anyway. I mean, shout out to Tom in the Discord who, like, wasn't sure how he felt about it. And then we talked about how we, we sang its praises and he went and saw it and was like, it was actually like a fun watch. So I feel like there have been a lot of reviews like that. Like, I, I'm very interested. I think the film cast is doing that movie this week because they just got around to seeing it. And um, I'm curious to see what they thought. Yeah, it was just so. it was only too cringe for Polygon or whoever the fuck. Yeah, just basically was. video game sites. Yeah. Again, because racing games are underrated in the mainstream, like they're like nobody I sings mean, their praises. I wouldn't really. say that the Forza Horizon series does it reviews very well and has lots of fans every time it comes out. Motorsport is mostly positive, but there have been some misses there. Like seven wasn't that great. I think like yeah, Forza Horizon has done really well, and the thing that I think does 
like the weird thing, Motor- Motorsport Seven and this Gran Turismo Seven had issues with like microtransactions, and like yeah. the racing games have seen a lot of difficulty trying to thread that needle of like we're milking you for your real money and we don't want to give you everything right now and also it's probably very expensive to do all the like 3d metrology that they do to scan in the cars and make the models for all that stuff and record the different sound well, like i mean setups the, and all the that. licenses of the car companies and the designs sure. yeah. and everything yeah. is probably outrageous but that's the thing. If they were smart, those car companies would just kind of give that shit up for free with the yeah, idea that like you're going yeah, you're getting free advertisement on people who will never actually be able to afford your car. And then at some point, they're probably going to walk into a dealer and want to finance one for an outrageous rate that they can't actually afford. But everybody's house poor right now anyways, and they're just putting more money in their cars than they are homes because nobody nobody can buy a house anymore, but everybody can buy cars, you know, like. <laughs> So, but yeah. yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I can name like 20 people who play Call of Duty. I can name one person that plays Forza and I'm looking at him in a camera right now. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. anyone else who plays Forza. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't think I hate Motorsport or Horizon. Horizon. Any of them. Either one. Yeah. You, well, literally, are some of you our are, listeners play the Horizon You games. are the only person that I know personally that I can name off the top of my head that plays Forza games. I don't know anyone else off the top of my head that I can just randomly name that plays Forza games. That's it. Just you. I've played, I've played a couple of the Horizon games, but mostly just for this podcast. So that's, two people that's out of it. like everyone I know. I mean, yeah, I don't just play games. them. I usually put many hours into them, but no, I I know, but that's what I'm saying is like there are like you you make it sound like it's a super popular thing, and it's like it's it's not like it's their racing sim games are not as popular as you think they are. Well, the Horizon is not a, as simmy, so it it's really not like it has all the the stuff like. You can like do good, all the upgrades. Like a, you can do the tunes and stuff, but it's still like the point. The physics point is, wise a bit on the arcade side. Again, in I can't name anyone other than you that plays car games, and Grand Theft Auto does not count. That's all. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Like they're not as popular as you think they are, and I think they are underrated because from they a are gaming underrated. from a gaming perspective and the gamification of things, they are incredibly fun to play it's, it's a, they're also one of the easiest games to play for 15 minutes or play for hours oh for because sure you can just do a race and be done yeah or you can do several races or long races and 100 and and that that is a fantastic segue into armored core 6 <laughs> okay <laughs> i want to hear about this game because i do want to play it eventually i just uh I'm too sucked into Baldur's Gate to yeah, even no, really care cool. to pick it Your up balls right now. deep in Baldur's Gate. deep. Baldur's Plus, I just Gate. dropped thousands of dollars on my real car, so I don't really want to buy video games. You're playing real-life Gran Turismo with your Ford <laughs> uh, Fiesta. <laughs> Why isn't that car in the game? I don't want to drive a Focus. The I want to drive that car. It is in um, Forza Horizon. I'm not playing Forza Horizon. Anyways, <laughs> Armored Core 6. Uh, for those who aren't familiar... It's a FromSoft game 
FromSoft, as in the people who bring you Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, Elden Ring. What's the other one? Sekiro. Kingsfield. Kingsfield. You say that? Uh, but the Souls games, the originators of the Souls games, essentially. Uh, Armored Core 6 is not a Souls game at all. Like, it, no. do not go into it thinking it is a Souls, open world Souls game or like any kind of like on the rails, like, because Bloodborne is kind of on the rails in a way. I guess Dark Souls mm. is kind of, they're kind of rail. Like, what do you mean? There's like multiple they're, paths. They're rail everywhere. until you find the multiple paths. They're not like, there's open one world. way to go until you can, like, Find and open up the pathways. Anyways, besides... They're the not open world. They're not... Yes. Yeah, they're not Elden Ring. I know that. They're not Elden Ring. They're not St- Skyrim style. And Armored Core 6 is definitely not that. But what Armored Core 6 is, is a really awesome arcade mech shooter game where it is mission-based. Uh, there is no, like, overworld or anything. There is no open world aspect where you roam around and do dumb shit you go to a menu system you choose a mission and you go and you complete that mission and then it brings up another set of missions and rinse and repeat and you Uh, buy different parts for your mech or you unlock them and they give them to you automatically Uh um but Um, you get to upgrade your mech and there is some simulation aspect in that you have to balance how much power your mech can create from its generator to supply power to its parts and then uh not overweight it with uh overload it with too much weight from like you know heavier parts and things like that and you don't create create enough energy to operate those parts so there's some simulation uh aspect to it as well and you're um, really gearing towards builds like you can make a smaller faster mech that isn't as powerful but can really have high maneuverability or you can make a slower more powerful mech that can't turn worth shit but you can obliterate something very quickly it's kind of you can balance between those things you can try and play on either end of the spectrum eventually yeah but but it's it's kind of but essentially like it is a solo game you're not playing with other people i did have a mission where i had two auxiliary like npcs that were helping me Hmm. um but i think there is pvp as well does it have that still it it has an arena mode and the arena mode is definitely PvP against other players where you, like, take your build against theirs and try and, like, oh, yeah. whip their ass. But you can, uh, like, it's it's kind of, it's almost like MMO-style uh, roles. So you have, like, your DPS, like, tanks, and then you have, like, your, like, uh, skirmisher-style, like, up, like, really maneuverable... I don't know what you would call that necessarily. I only ever played tanks and healers whenever I was playing MMOs, but... Well, you have a tank uh, or a DPS. It's kind of like DPS is its own kind of role, right? Yeah, you're, you're doing you're, like... You're there to deal the damage. You're there to the damage. be in the shit. Right, you and know? then you've got your tank that is just like there to take a bunch of damage, uh, but also is able to unleash pretty heavy damage themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like essentially you're just building mechs in order to do these missions, and some missions will call for you to have like a more maneuverable mech than others. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, Man, what a what a what a callback to like classic video gaming, like early two thousands, like video game arcadiness. Like it feels like an arcade shooter in a, in all the right ways. It's it feels like my memory of playing Armored Core two or three or whatever it was that you had on PS two. Yeah. Um, 
which is weird. Like, I don't know that, like, I think if you look at screenshots, it's obviously very different. And also, somewhere in between Armored Core 2 and 6, which we're talking about now, they got a lot more vertical and, like, aerial. And, like, you know, you might have been able to, like, do jumps and things in Armored Core 2, but it was like, oh, you're going to take a lot of power, and the levels aren't particularly vertical. That's pretty much not true anymore. Like, these levels are very vertical in the new one. And you can, you use your boost to like get up higher. You're not just kind of like locked to the ground and, you know, trucking along with your mech. It's very like animated and kind of, it's almost kind of Sekiro-ish in that way of like, you're not just stuck on the ground trying to take hits and move around them. You can very much jump around and, and get up in the air with some of the flying enemies and things like that, which is interesting too. Yeah, it's it just feels really good. Like it feels like a very again, very classic game in that it, it's a shooter like you're skating around with your boost mechanism to like mm-hmm. avoid getting hit and you're jumping out of the way or flying out of the way when missiles launch down at the ground to avoid splash damage and like you're just holding the fire button all the time to just keep <laughs> shooting bullets like it just feels really good like that um i just i really i love the art style i think the Mm -hmm. overall like art direction of the game in general all of the little logos and things for stuff are so fucking cool like your main handler dude whose name is uh, eluding me at this point yeah handler walter as handler walter's logo is like it's it's like a hand holding a bunch of strings like a puppet master almost thing and like Mm -hmm. i as soon as i noticed and it's in like a cool triangle like i'm like that's just like it just looks so sweet man like all the little logos and things are really cool and i'm sitting there like oh i wonder if i can like make my own emblems and logos and things and yep you definitely can using the shape mechanism from like call of duty you can like pixel pixel art like yeah like you can make all your own little emblems and things that you can plaster on each body part of your mech and like also forza yeah it's it's cool man it just again it just feels very it feels nostalgic like totally nostalgic in in all way shapes and forms the thing to me is like here's what i will say i'm very much enjoying my time with it i'm very early on i do want to play more um but there's a lot of my proper noun fatigue to the point where like i think you can mostly ignore it but there's like you're on rubicon and there's the fires of the rubicon and the ibis and you get the what what's the name of the energy thing that is on the uh, rubicon coral, coral. you got to get the coral getting the coral out of the the rubicon and and i'm like i don't i can't this is all just kind of washing over me but you can also tell that like I think, God, what was the mission? Like, I did the first mission past the tutorial last night, and I was talking about how you are, um, you are being sent out to, like, squash the people who are trying to resist the expansion of the coral, uh, extraction. And it's like, all right, we're going to go crush the libtards because we don't want, we got to get the energy <laughs> out of the planet. So I really want to know, like, the, the weirdly political probably message about global warming that the Japanese developer is making here. But honestly, it's a little bit too dense for me to really extract. So I need to, I listen to like remap radio, the former waypoint guys to really like 
they'll be able to pull the story out because there's probably a story in there that's like hey you start out as like the hand of of your your tool of the corporate hand but by the end of the game maybe you're gonna be some who knows i don't know or maybe the entire time you're just a tool of the corporations but yeah uh, I, I can't remember how they did it in like armored core 2 but i also just remember armored core 2 being insanely difficult um yeah. in general and being so focused on just trying to beat the missions that i didn't even care about the stories i just wanted to like do the task yep. you know and I think um, it's I think it'd be very easy to ignore any of the story and the proper nouns and everything and just I'm shooting missiles out of my mech and I also have a sword thing that I can I mean that's use the and, thing though is like the the way they present it to you in like the menu based system with like conversations over your comms from your handler and like other uh, other handlers in and like squadrons of of like cores um they could do a really cool audio drama style like release of information that makes it interesting uh i i think because the voice acting is all really well done and like it it's i don't know like i i think the story could be really interesting but again i'm not playing it for the story necessarily i'm playing it for like the arcadey nostalgia-ness of it like just again feels really good it feels a little bit impenetrable to me, except for the fact that it's also trying to hit me over the head with whatever message that it's going to be about. So I it's kind you. of a weird balance of like, we're obscuring this very obvious message with a lot of proper nouns, but yeah. I just have a fear of proper nouns, I guess. I don't know. Names. Uh. I, I'm an engineer, so I tried to stay away from English. But anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Brian, do you no. have any questions about it that you're curious that we can shed some light on um third person hmm. mech action if that hasn't been clear no Fire i have some experience guns. with armored core i did play what i think i looked up is widely considered the worst release armored core 4 mm. because it was on xbox 360 and i had a 360 and it looked interesting and it was impossible <laughs> and uh but i still kept trying to play it here and there it was kind of fun but yeah it was just insanely difficult i'm very curious to see if there becomes a point that the game is gets like where the difficulty just fucking skyrockets or something because so far it feels more accessible than i thought it would be i mentioned i had a little bit of trouble with like the tutorial boss um and honestly it because it was a FromSoft game, I was like, oh, maybe I'm just supposed to get obliterated at this fight. And then I died and it sent me to restart mission. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm actually supposed to beat this thing. So it ended up being kind of trivial once I got more aerial, which was not something that I was used to doing in this kind of game. But, um, you know, I it you know there's also no gun to forget on the stairs. That's also really good, I think, in this case. So... <laughs> Um, it feels a, a little more accessible than, than maybe Armored Core 2 did back in the day and, and hopefully Armored Core 4 as well if, if you do try it out Brian and I did get a physical copy if you nice. were to borrow it in the future when you have yeah, some time I, for it I, I mean, would like to try it at some point um, but I'm just ultimately like I was really interested in it but there's just all the games came up all yeah, of a sudden. Came, yeah, yeah, no, this is like up. these this next these next couple of months are going to be crazy because again, mm. like we've got Starfield coming, and then like as soon as as soon as I'm going to be like balls deep in Starfield, 
Phantom Liberty comes out, and I really want to play Phantom Liberty too. Yeah, that looks pretty also, awesome. Also, fuck all of that because Mortal Kombat One comes out on the Sunday. Yeah, the new Mortal Kombat does well. look pretty Can rad. Can't wait. Um, wait. What I was gonna say about Armored Core is I don't know how much of the the like pre-release like gameplay reveals and things you guys watched. I but watched him. So like I'm I'm currently at the mission where you're going after that giant desert crawler thing that is mm. on like six legs or whatever. Nice. And it feels fucking huge. If this game was in VR, I would throw up everywhere. It would be so <laughs> awesome. But that thing is a pain in the ass because like Alex, you're asking about like the difficulty ramping up on you, and it's like this is one of the things where I feel like I need to reconfigure my entire mech to fight this thing because I don't feel like my maneuverability is high enough you to get past do. a giant blue laser that comes launching out of that thing. So it's like now I need to like reconsider like how I built my mech and like how am I going to make it work better against this particular enemy? And luckily like you can kind of do that like on the fly. Like you can swap out your mech parts like yeah, and I think they have a lot of like loadout kind of thing where you can save. I think it's AC data or something as yeah. well. It's called. I haven't well, played that's around the thing with is, it too I think much. you can. I think you can pull AC data from the internet. Yeah, and, and like download somebody else's AC things. build. Yeah. yeah, so you can you can share builds with people online as long as you yeah. have the parts in your inventory from having purchased them or earned them. You can copy the build from somebody else using the AC data, which yeah. is pretty fucking cool. Uh, it's like Marvel Snap decks. We're going to just bring Marvel Snap into everything we do today. Or uh, Forza games. You can download people's tunes. Yeah. Exactly. See, like that same same thing, just like Marvel Snap and Forza. We're going to just bring it all around to Marvel Snap and Forza GT today. GT might let you do that, too. I'm not sure. Not for free. Thing... It costs like a million credits or something. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is that... Um, Along the lines of you saying that it's very kind of like old school in terms of the level, like mission-based level design type stuff, uh, it ends, like every mission ends with a grade, you know, not not necessarily like a A or S rank kind of thing, but you get this, this like, here's how much you get paid for this mission, here's how much was uh, you got in bonuses for accomplishing like certain objectives or doing things in a certain way. And then also, here's how much you lost because you used repair kits. Here's how much you lost because your accuracy is terrible and you spent all of this on ammo. Yeah, you used too um, many bullets. Yeah, you end up paying for the mission because you didn't hit anything with any of your bullets. That kind of thing can still happen. So I'd have to imagine on like higher difficulty, it's kind of like, I don't know, I can't imagine being any type of accurate when playing this game. Because it's literally just like, oh, it's locked on. I hold down the button. This entire game is prey and spray for me. It's just that. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna boost at you and try to hit you with the sword, and hopefully I time the animation correctly and that kind of thing. So, um, that's interesting at least. I, but I did read just now um, that there are uh, like hidden chests in the levels to to unlock parts for your mech. So that's I pretty be cool. Surprised? Yeah, that that makes like, a lot of it's sense. It's linear, but there's stuff hidden. Yeah, it's the mission-based factor of it is like it's very much like you are in kind of set areas, but um, they're pretty big. It's not like a, and it's not really like a hallway so far as as what yeah, I've seen. Yeah, the, the scale looks pretty massive. Yeah, so that's fun. Yeah, I'm excited it, like, to play more. In, in speaking to the verticality of it, like I just remember playing Armor Core Two and doing the arena mode, and I worked. I, I worked so hard to get shoulder mounted like vertical missiles 
Yeah. Because in arena mode, you could cheese the ranks by using a specific arena, flying to the top of the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put all my power into my booster <laughs> and my missiles, and I'd fly to the top of the building, and then I would just launch vertical missile, vertical homing missiles at the enemy below me because they didn't have a strong enough booster to get to where I was. And so I would just cheese my way to the top of the board. I and remember then I just you kept, doing that. Kept buying all the good shit to make my mech the best I could. Yeah. Uh, I loved playing that. That was like I. That's the thing is like, like cheesing that kind of shit is super fun. Like, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see like doing an actual PvP because I don't remember. I think they had PvP in that. PS2 did, did have a uh, fifty-six K modem in it. I think. I think it no. It, it would have been uh, you had to you had to buy the the broadband or the modem situation. But I don't know that 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 probably had like two player like couch. Com- competitive but not yeah um but yeah no i think uh the other thing i will say was like it really i don't think this game pulled much from the souls games that have been successful since the creation of the armored core series but i think you do feel that dna because there are like uh stamina bars that you break and you know uh you know doing shield parries is very much a thing in this game. Like, I think there's a lot of translatable things that the mechanics work a little bit differently, but they are familiar to those who play souls games. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like the only, like the difference with the shield parrying is like, there's a little more of a warning from like the system telling you when to actually parry. Whereas like in, uh, in bloodborne or, or in, in, uh, any of the Dark Souls games, you kind of have to, like, understand the enemy's movements and time it right, whereas, like, there isn't, like, an outward signal telling you, like, parry right now. Like, yeah, and this game like, gives you, like, a two-second window to parry, basically. And, and not to mention, also, like, the shield is stronger. Like, they basically say, your shield is stronger within the first two seconds of, of turning it on because right. of, you know, you're diverting power to it or whatever. And I think that's interesting as well. So there's a lot of things that I think people who are fans of the Souls series but don't know anything about Car- Armored Core, you might pick this up and it might feel a little bit different on the face, but I do think you'd be able to kind of eventually grok on to the differences of, of what you're dealing with. So Yeah, and just like to tie it to what Brian was saying about Gran Turismo being or any racing game being something you can kind of pick up on the fly and put down yeah. like really easily like the mission based system of, of this game is very much that where like I would like this whole weekend I jump in I did a mission and then I would play something else for a little while like or you know if the kids are taking a nap then I'm, I jumped in I would do a couple missions and then I would go about the rest of my day or whatever like it has a very pick up and put down feel to it where you don't you're not like missing the game when you're not playing it, but like it's like as soon as I had the time to think about it, I was like, oh, I'm going to turn that on again and play it real quick. And then I could just do something and feel like I accomplished a piece of it. And then I was able to put it down without be- feeling like I was being torn away from something. So to I think speak. there's I think there's pretty good checkpointing too. Um, like in, like I said, I died during the tutorial boss, and it sent me to the restart mission. When I restarted the mission, a restart from checkpoint, it was right back to where that boss was, and yeah. I was even able to suspend on the PS5, turn off the console, put it in sleep mode or whatever, come back to it later, and and play, pick it up pretty easy right from that boss. So that was nice too. 
Yeah, it was um, funny because Jason texted me tonight and was like, if you guys are curious, Armored Core 6 is pretty dope. And I'm like, yeah, we're talking about it on the podcast tonight. And he's like, this first boss is the issue currently. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, as soon as I started lunging at it and using the sword, like, it just destroyed that thing so quick. Like, I think I beat it in less than again, 30 that's, seconds. Again, that's another, like... That's another Souls-like trope of, like, just throwing some ridiculous enemy at you. Yeah, just throwing you at the shit and being like, here, fuck you. See, let's see what you got. Like, you know, get good right now or else you don't get to get good for the rest of the game. Like, yeah. so, which, again, very Souls-like, very fun. The boss, it did, it killed me one time. And then I I was like, fuck it, I'm not letting it get me again. And I was was a little (laughs) more smart about how I got him, but... Yeah, uh, you're you're spamming the melee button is pretty funny. You don't have yeah. to use the melee, by the way, but I do find it fun to use the melee in a game like this. That's like shooting shooter centric, because when you get in the shit and you get kind of sucked in really close to an enemy, it is very helpful to kind of break that up by being able to melee attack them. For sure. So, and I think I think it kind of uh, I think it's one of those things where like it can help you take down the stagger bar quicker and that yes. allows you to do more damage more quickly I mean, as well. So. You can also equip your mech or your armored core, your core. whatever you call it, um, your AC. with melee weapons, right? Like you can have like a badass energy sword or some shit. That's, right? Yeah, that's at some point. you start you start the game with like an energy sword thing, and then yeah, you can that's what either I want to do. I want to get up close and personal fast. You can, you can swap that out for like other types of guns. Like they like right at the beginning, they kind of. As soon as you unlock the store, they give you like a handgun, a super powered handgun option, um, some kind of like sniper rifle option, and then like a rocket launcher option to use as like your secondary weapon if you don't want to use the sword. But I'm finding the sword to be incredibly helpful. Yeah. But then again, I, like I want to just spam like firing a shit ton of bullets. So really, I I want the high magazine like like automatic shot like machine guns is what I really want. It's uh, all and like then some big... shoulder-mounted missiles is really... They're all build choices, right? Like, you could make something that has higher armor that can get in there quickly and also fight with the sword, or you could make something that stays better at a longer range distance. Yeah. Maybe you have, like, a further radar or something. Like Whatever those, you know, nuances are, I'm interested to kind of take a closer look at all that. So, um, I think that's good. John, do you have anything else before I talk a little bit about Remnant before we get into Baldur's Gate? No, I also I have to talk about WrestleQuest, so go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, real quick with Remnant, I'm, I spent a lot more time in that game than I thought I would. I think I've put about 12 hours into it at this point, and I really have only played a little bit with Nick, but I'm very much enjoying it. And the fact that, like, um, it's interesting to me that you get different bosses based upon the way that your world has been seeded. And, you know, I think I mentioned last time you can re-roll the world to encounter different bosses and, you know, collect materials again to keep upgrading your stuff. Um, and But those different bosses give you items that allow you to get different weapons, like special unique weapons that have uh, like unique mods on them that can't be removed and allow you to like turn a gun into a flamethrower or things like that. Um, I'm really liking it a lot and I, you know, I keep seeing Remnant 2 going on sale here and there for like, you know, 20% off or something like that and I I'm probably going to pick it up when it when it hits low enough from when I have enough time or something like that uh to play Remnant 2 cuz I think it's probably pretty decent. Um but I I will just say I'm very much enjoying 
Remnant from the Ashes, and I think uh, I think both of you would enjoy it if you gave it a shot. Yeah, I wait? think I'm Should just going like, to yeah, dive right like, into Remnant 2 at some point. I think that's a completely viable thing to do. Just going to wait until sure. it goes on sale during Christmas, yeah. and hopefully we can all play. <laughs> I wish it had cross-play. Um, Is that something that... they've talked about possibly adding to it? Because, like, again, as we've learned, like, cross-play is literally just the flip of a switch. Like, Not that I know of. But you never know. Like, I don't know what kind of roadmap exists, just, exists yeah. for the game currently. I kind but. of just assume every game coming out now is going to have crossplay. It should. It really should. I wonder um, if Armored Core has crossplay PvP. I don't know. It should. Anyways. Um, so, WrestleQuest? Yeah, WrestleQuest. For free. Uh, those not familiar, you can get it for free from your Xfinity rewards now. Alex found that for me, and I was the able to get it. The only good part about having Xfinity yeah, is because I'm about provider. to fucking get rid of that shit, because <laughs> fuck them. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, so WrestleQuest is like a pixel graphic R- turn-based RPG where you're a fucking wrestler, and it is like, it's basically like paying a hundred percent homage to macho man randy savage like he is in the game as like this like all-powerful being that you worship as a wrestler yeah um and it's it's pretty great uh the music is a little kind of boring except in the in the actual matches it's fun the gameplay itself is interesting because it's almost like it reminds me a lot of the mario and luigi game that came out on game boy advance yeah. Where like each button, like each button does it like in that game, like a button would uh, correspond to uh, like Mario or Luigi. In mm-hmm. this game, like instead of having a menu that lists off like these, you know, this is your item, this is your attack, this is your defend, your whatever. Like you have each button corresponding to a different action. So like your the Y button is like the the item button. The X button is your action button and then there's like a special button or whatever and like a defend button and like when you go and do a move on a on another wrestler sometimes they will get to counter that and you can counter their counter with a quick time event like it'll bring up a like a button with like a timer on it to like react to it things like that yeah but it's but it's all done in like turn-based rpg style uh and I haven't gotten any like customization of the character or anything yet, but I think you get to like design your own costumes and shit in it or something. <laughs> like it just, I'm not very far into it, but I did like I I, I tried to put put a, at least an hour or two into it just to kind of get the feel for it, and it, it seems like it's going to be a lot of really dumb fun. Um. Yeah, they have a lot of real wrestlers that are like in the Yeah, like Diamond Dallas Page is in it and like mm-hmm. uh shit, who else did I run into? Uh I can't remember all their names cuz I don't care about wrestling that much, but definitely like Macho Man Randy Savage is like the main focus cuz he passed away what not too long ago, I don't think, right? Like 2014 or so. I'm going to uh, look it up now. Macho Man, Randy Savage, 2011, May 20, 2011. Okay, yeah. But uh, it's what's great is when you're when you're like 
in the in the fights and things like you you kind of hear like the the bit crush like oh yeah style like yeah. audio and it's it kind of cracks you up as you're playing because like you don't really you're not really paying attention to anything that's that's being said that way but like it's just funny to be in the middle of like a battle and it's like oh get him now and like you just like jump and grapple <laughs> the dude and shit and do like a pile driver or whatever it's just it's just goofy it's just a goofy game and uh, again it was free but it's probably what like 15 bucks or whatever like anywhere it's got to be it, totally worth the 15 but i was i would have paid for it like because it just seems so goofy and fun um it is I also, 29.99 on steam so it's 30 dollars. but but i have like what's the other like like golf quest or whatever golf like, quest was very yeah it was a lot of fun it was a golfing that. rpg it's so it's just kind of a dumb idea but it's fun like this is kind of the same vein of that like it's a wrestling rpg but it's more rpg than anything and you get to like make your own character and it has some humor in it like you know it, it's like goofy it's like goofy rpg humor where like there was a scene where my character was sleeping in the gym that you work out in and practice in and like he wakes up the next day and the the gym like owner is like oh you're here already that's crazy that you're in so early is that a sleeping bag sticking out of your locker like you know like <laughs> It's like just dumb RPG humor like that. That is, it was really funny. So I, I don't know. I like, I, I want to play more of it. I'm really like, I, it's goofy and it seems, I don't know if it's a game that it, like, like the last two where it's something you can easily pick up and put down like on the fly. Like, I feel like if I'm going to invest time in this game, I'm going to have to invest like some serious time into it. But it, it like, I feel like it has a lot to offer uh, in respect to the RPG thing. And I really just want to know like more about like, macho man randy savage as like a deity like i mean he he kind of is in the world of wrestling i mean he's one of the most well-known like wrestlers of all time you know true snap it to a slim jim (laughs) oh yeah nice so yeah wrestle quest check it out if you like wrestling and rpgs I'm surprised nobody's made like an actual wrestling game RPG. Like, although I'm sure like the more recent wrestling, like WWE games, have like a career mode or something like that, just like all the other yeah. EA Sports games do now. They do. <laughs> There's a lot of weird drama about those games um, and the developer, and very strange. I don't know. Those games have had a very troubled development because it was all. We don't need to get into this. We can talk about Baldur's Gate, but a lot of weirdness about the developer of the WWE games that now makes games for AEW, which is the only real challenger to WWE that's existed in a long time. And yeah, very strange. I didn't even know there was more than one like wrestling federation. WWE like ate them all up, but AEW kind of came up and has stolen a lot of wrestlers from WWE, but I think has also kind of since then fallen a little bit, and WWE's, like, gaining power again. It's weird. Vince McMahon's a shithead as well, and he stepped back, and I think his daughter took over. His wife was in the Trump administration at some point. I don't know. It's all fucked up. Anyway, wrestling. Did she get convicted in Georgia, too? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Who knows? Anyways. Baldur's, Baldur's Gate. Gate. Baldur's Gate 3. Has anybody Brian, run in? Did you guys 
Did you guys run into? Did you open the barn doors and find an ogre oh, in, yeah, a, in a cold past that? Man, that no. made me laugh my ass off. I don't doubt it. This big ogre woman just getting railed by a kobold or whatever, or like a bugbear. <laughs> I was I was dying laughing at that. I'm like, this is this is the dirty D and D shit that I'm used to playing with, like my friends. <laughs> Because for a while, we had a couple of people in our crew that, like, it was just, like, we were murder hobos who tried to be sexy. And, like, it was just, <laughs> yeah. No, it was that that was a really funny moment. And uh, I killed both of them in the game. It was it felt pretty good. <laughs> I murdered them. Well done. Because I'm murder hobos. Yeah, I did, too. But I think it's because they turned on me. But whatever. I did finally um, like settle on a character. Oh wow, good! And good it, for it's, you. it's not a pre-made one. I made my own. It's a uh, it's a dragonborn uh, barbarian. Barbarians a, are really cool. He's a fire dragon, so he can breathe fire and uh, and just rage on fucking anybody. Like it, it's cool when you're going like berserk when you're in, enraged. And you get the enraged throw option. You can just pick up like heavier than usual shit and throw it at people. <laughs> like, I'll, well, not necessarily too heavy unless you. I think there's a way to do that as well. Like, you have to put points in something else or like get a yeah. You probably have to like dump, it. dump points into strength to like increase your strength modifier or something, yeah. so you can pick up even heavier shit or but whatever. Even, it's just funny though because I've picked up like a lot of uh, lifeless bodies and thrown them at other enemies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've really been toying with the the strategy of using the environment against enemies and stuff, and uh, I I definitely you, you really I highly recommend being observant and looking around your surroundings when you uh, get in, into a battle. Because a lot of times there will be stuff, like if you're indoors, there will be chandeliers and stuff like that hanging above you. Not chandeliers, yeah. but like, uh, what are the the flame equivalents? Candelabra. Candelabra. Sure. It's a different Jeez. name. Starts with a B, I think. What? Have you been drinking? Well, yeah. But... <laughs> As he takes a swing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, you can definitely knock enemies off into uh, chasms and all that. And lava. And it's just fun. The downside is you can't loot their bodies after their bodies are, you know, missing. Bummer. You've, you've now played almost twice what you played in Divinity Original Sin 2 and Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. So what act are you Steam. in, Brian? Hmm? What act are you in? Uh, Still the first one. Okay. I've been hearing a lot of things get rough in a technical sense later in the game. I don't think I'll encounter that many issues because I don't have a shitty PC, but who knows? Maybe. No, I'm talking about, like, game-breaking bugs and, like, oh. not finishing quest lines. and. Uh, I save often, and I have multiple saves, so I'm not super worried. Okay. 
yeah, I, you know, it's enough, it's been enough for me to kind of like, I've only played about six hours of the game and honestly, like I can fully acknowledge that it's a very technically well-made game. There's a lot of really exciting things about it. Like I said, if it was fallout, I'd probably be completing it right now, but it's just not holding me. And I don't, I wish it was, I want to be there. I bought it for the FOMO, but now I'm kind of like, it's not gripping me in the way that I want it to. I think you probably just need to get a little bit further into it. Probably. Like, I haven't even really gotten much of a thrust of the story. I've mostly just been... I've collected several party people on the beach, basically, it seems like, and I fucked up this, like, uh, tomb thing that's at the beach. Oh, yeah. Um, and found the god... The god guy this golden skeleton man that i talked to there and, i don't even uh, know what the fuck you're the talking one that goes about. to your camp i don't think he's at the camp i haven't been back to the camp withers yet. yeah withers is his name um yeah, he 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 goes to your camp that's cool it's not really a spoiler it's very early in the I, game yeah no i don't i wouldn't he, I he's wouldn't your think it is. You, john you need to find him because he can uh recruit additional party members for you like generic ones if you run out of party members or you just want new ones that sounds awesome because i don't want i kind of don't want the pre-made party members like i wish i could just have four people that i made a party of the whole like all four of them here's the other thing though he also allows you to respec for cheap Mm. at first at least um is and he you in can that respect, first you can door? Respect like, your main character, and you can respect all the other characters if you want. The the door at the uh, on the beach that's like next to the the teleportation glyph or whatever. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I failed the, the rolls on trying to lockpick that. There's so other just, ways well, in, actually. Yeah. So there's a different way in. You know the? Do you know the place where there's the guys that are fighting about maybe going to check out the crashed alien ship? Yeah. Yeah, the that's... gobblecock or whatever his name is. Sure, yeah. There's a door there that you <laughs> is can that get a race? into. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got I got him out of the way, and then um, I I like got into that building. But every time I tried to fight those people, they whoop my ass. So I just was like, "Fuck this! I'm not doing." It. I'd save scum and just leave because I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I, that's that's the thing is that I struggled against a lot of that combat, and I was like, I don't know how much I'm enjoying the combat so much so that there's part of me that's thinking about giving it one more shot on the like adventurer mode or whatever the like lower difficulty yeah just to experience the story and maybe some of the like puzzly type elements and things like that but i don't know i just there's so much shit coming out that i'm kind of like this game's great and all it'll probably be our game of the year because two to one you know but I don't. I it's don't know. Not, it's, it's not going to be a game of the year for me. I can tell you that. It, well, it won't. It's, it's really good. It'll be high up on my list for sure, but it's not going to be game of the year for me. I think um, it's hard for me to say. I also Starfield. I'll the... tell you without even playing it. Starfield's probably going to be my game of the year. <laughs> like, I'm really feeling it. Even just just looking at pictures of it, man. Those we'll have to see. Fucking dead eye characters. Just looking at those pictures. They don't look that dead eye anymore, man. They did a nice <laughs> job with the Creation Engine 2.0 or whatever they're calling it. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah, not... I've played a lot more Baldur's Gate though, and it's been fun. And um, I feel like it has its moments where I'm frustrated for hours just trying to beat the same combat scenario when I should just be walking away and doing something else. But I'm just too persistent. It, yeah, it I mean, paid that's, off today. But, that's the Elden Ring of it, right? Like you can yeah. kind of just walk off and find some other bullshit. Exactly. To do, like yeah, and yeah. I definitely recommend doing it in this game because there's so much other shit to do, and there are so many different ways to approach the same scenario. Like I figured out a way today to kill the largest character by far that I've seen in the game, and also he was. It was three levels above my character party, which is, I was thinking like, is this even possible? But I figured out a way to use the environment to defeat him in two blows without actually attacking him with my, with my characters. But it took me like an hour to figure this out. Yeah. See, and that's the thing is that I feel like if I more organically came across that stuff, and I don't think it's the game's fault, I think I'm just a very unobservant person. <laughs> and I don't think outside of the box in that way. And so, you know. It I may think, not be um, for you then. Because, I mean, remember I, how much I gushed about Disco Elysium, and I still do on occasion. Like See, but that's some of this game scratches that itch because exploration and investigation is highly rewarded and thinking outside the box. Definitely. I think it's just, there's something very fundamental to these types of games that have so many different paths and options and things to do. It's complete analysis paralysis for me. Yeah. Like, it's not... When I get down to it, I've stumbled across the thing that I want to play in Fallout and Skyrim. And it's a long-range thing that you never see coming that can kill you from very far away. I love that. That's great. And I think that exists in Baldur's Gate. But I think there's so much that is so much more entertaining about Baldur's Gate that is passing speech checks and doing things that are unexpected that you wouldn't think about you know shooting a an urn full of grease that then engulfs the room in flames and you don't even have to deal with these guys because they're gonna die of their own burns like mm -hmm. that type of stuff is all awesome but my brain just doesn't function in that way and i yeah, I, I don't know that. It's it's weird. Like I really really love and respect the idea of Baldur's Gate three, but I just don't think it's quite for me. And uh, and I the funny thing is is like if I think about it without being combat, there's no fucking combat in Disco. There's barely any combat in Disco Elysium, if I no. recall correctly. Like nothing at all. Yeah. It's investigation and it's talking to people. I should be all about that. But as soon as you make me be like, I got to put points in here, and Maybe I'll be able to accomplish the thing I want to do, but maybe the dice are going to fuck me this time. It's just paralyzing for me of like, I can't, what if I don't 
get it. And it's a good thing I don't think about my life in these terms. Because Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, that's the same <laughs> reason why I couldn't make up my mind as to what kind of character I wanted to be. Yeah. You know, like it, I, yeah. I run into the same issue. That's like even in my my real D&D game in real life, like I regret the character I made because I don't like the way it's played out for me. And that, but that's the thing is I feel like if I had the power to just say, I'm going to commit to this character and the choices that I make, I would probably very much enjoy the game, but I don't feel like I have the time to do anything other than to commit. Like if it was like, Hey, I can play this character and see how this goes for this game, but then I'm going to start a new character in Baldur's Gate after I finish this playthrough. That'd be great, but I just don't have the time to do that with a game that's 40, if not 80 hours long, you know? Right. So, or longer, you know? I don't know. Baldur's Gate, really... it's probably like 300 hours. Sure, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Based so, on the fact that I haven't... I, I, I'm in what's called the Underdark. Um, I think I'm progressing toward the second act but i'm i'm probably if i want to screw around with things it's still going to be dozens more hours i would say yeah side quests and things that you might want to wrap up i'm just trying like it's not even the quests it's just i'd like to explore all the weird nooks and crannies and get all the the bizarre loot and it's not like other games necessarily where it's just like you find an item and it's like you know it's the blue version of the green version you know yeah. like destiny where and then it just has like an extra perk that's really boring it's like i keep finding shit that has like spells attached to it and whatnot that you can cast that are unique in some way and it were just have interesting behaviors like I found this mask, I put it on and I could hear like voices in my head. And that like was like, I took it off right away because it fucking weirded me out. But like, <laughs> it, it was just a different way you could play that area of the the game. Um, I chose not to do it that way. Uh, yeah, it's just, there's just a lot. I don't find the choice per like paralyzing like it is in some games just because i feel like no matter what you do in the game will net you some sort of outcome that you can move on from like some games it's very obvious if you do something like you're just making the rest of the game harder for you and or missing out on something entirely and it, i just yeah i don't really get that feeling in this game it's just a different path. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't. That's but what it, I will say is it doesn't seem to me like a like a Mass Effect where it's like if you no. don't play full Paragon or Renegade, then what the fuck are you doing? That, that's you know? exactly why they it's, they they yeah. left alignment out of this game, even though it is part of D and D, because it was going to ruin the fun. It's it's the idea, John, that like if you let's say you're playing a game where you're a Jedi and you can either be dark. Or you can be, you can either be a Sith or you can be a Jedi. And if you be a Jedi, you get Jedi powers. If you be a Sith, you get Sith powers. But if you play down the middle, you never get to the fucking Force lightning at the bottom of the Sith tree because you were dicking around in the middle of the tree, you know? Right. Yeah. You never get to the Force healing or whatever the fuck you would exactly. get as a Jedi. That, because that's, you, 
choice paralysis right there for me. Like I have to go one way or the other because I want some sort of ultimate power. But in this game, you don't really have to choose one way or the other. My general rule is I do good things, but if they don't benefit me, I might not do them. Like, because I'm just trying to make a shit ton of gold as well as do good things. Yeah. Are you speaking about your character or are you speaking about real life? Uh, not real life, obviously, because <laughs> I'm poor. But No, I think, I, think, um, I think really the key for me is maybe if I would have put more thought into designing the character and how I wanted to play, and I just don't, I feel like I don't even know where to begin on that in terms of this game. I was I, like, I don't know. I like ranged characters. I'll be an elf and he's a ranger, right? Cool. Sweet. All I, right. I don't know. Like, generally speaking, uh, historically, I've made pretty weak characters when it comes to combat in all of these RPGs, like Dragon's Age and stuff like that. Because well, you usually go with charisma modifiers, right? Where yeah, you can like talk I, your way out of I things. I tend to make my party leader a leader that can actually talk his way out of things and keep the group together. Right. And, that's and the rest of the important. group is there to support whatever outcome comes from the conversation that the leader had. So if yeah. for some reason you tick someone off, you've got someone who's a badass that can like fuck them up, you know, or, you know, if uh, y- you do a dice roll on a trap and it goes off and it injures you, then you've got a healer there to heal you kind of thing. Like, so, yeah, you're you're playing it from the standpoint of like a leader with a support group behind them, like, which is probably the way it should be played in general anyways. But, yeah, I don't, I'm I don't just know. It's saying I usually it works out for me. There are games where... Um, I just, my character was so weak. Like the old Baldur's Gate games, I feel like my character was just so weak that they would just die immediately. And that was not ideal. Yeah, I, like yeah. I said, I never made it like 100 yards out of the main town in the first Baldur's Gate <laughs> without getting murdered by something, so. Yeah. And the interesting thing to me is that like right now, the folks on uh, A More Civilized Age, which is a podcast about Star Wars, mostly the animated stuff, but they also talked about like Andor and Obi-Wan they're taking a break from talking about star Wars rebels due to the strikes that are going on and the terrible conditions that the studios want to force upon people. So fuck the studios. But anyway, um, they're playing through KOTOR, which is a game that I played a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know that I, I didn't really love the first one all that much. I played the second one and enjoyed it more, but I don't know that I grasped much of the fact that, like, hey, this is kind of a and d ish game. It's from, you know, Bioware, uh, the people who made the first Baldur's Gate games, and, like, I think um, it, it would be interesting for me to revisit that from the standpoint of, well, it's Star Wars. I have that buy-in. If it was Fallout, I would have the buy-in here for Baldur's Gate 3. And the swords and sandals of it all is just not quite, you know, it's not my oeuvre. Skyrim was an outlier for me. And so um, the high fantasy type stuff just... Have you played Wasteland? Like Wasteland 2 or 3? No. 
I feel like you might be into those then, because that's like honestly the original been, Fallout. But I've been meaning to go back to like Fallout One and Two because I've never touched them, and yeah. I would really like to. I just don't feel like I have the time to do that kind of thing right now. So, you know. Anyway, I I really respect the hell out of Baldur's Gate Three. I think it's great that it's doing very well. I think, um. You know, I wasn't expecting it to be this. I Like, I remember Brian getting excited for the fact that, oh, they're doing this, and it's going to be early access, and it's Larian who's done Divinity 1 and 2. And, you know, we went to PAX in 2020 when they were rolling out the early access and saw, like, the big booth that they had there mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I didn't really think it was going to be, like, this massive thing that took over the scene for quite a while up until, you know, probably Starfield coming out. I I didn't necessarily see that either. I didn't think it would take over my gaming life like this. Like, I thought I would bounce off of it earlier than I did, to be honest, because of the difficulty I've had with Divinity Original Sin 2 which I do feel like I finally did start to understand that game, but then Baldur's Gate 2 or 3 came out, and then that took over. But this is just so much less impenetrable, in my opinion. It's it's just, it's way more accessible. It's, so that really helps. But there's so much depth to it as well. Like, I'm still learning things about the systems that I just didn't really understand. Mostly just because I just wasn't fucking reading the tooltips and stuff. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I can't read, so that's probably yeah. part of the problem, <laughs> That, that could be a problem, yeah. Yeah. Plus, it just works. I've had I've had the game crash on me once. In 44 hours, so... And I have not encountered any game-breaking, like, quest issues... That's good. I think they just rolled out like a really big update too. So I'm sure they're working on a lot of the stuff that I've heard some people commenting on, but uh, also they've probably played it for like 500 hours. So they're like, man, this game's bullshit. (laughs) That's what a lot of the steam reviews are like. I couldn't, I couldn't do this thing. I broke the quest line, but well, we should move on. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I think that's it. All right. Gamescom was the thing. There weren't any like majorly big announcements. They're redoing I, yeah. Dark Forces, which is awesome. Oh, the people really? who did the uh it's a remaster. It's not a remake, but the uh, people who did the night uh night dive who did oh, the really? System Shock remake are nice. doing a remaster of Dark Forces, which is the uh That's really the first cool. person shooter that is like the first first person shooter from Star Wars. They um Yeah. The game fucking rules. It's I so love good. that game. Yeah, I played through it back in the day. I just remembered only using thermal detonators. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's exciting because I've heard Night Dive has been doing really well with that type of thing. Like they did Turok 3 or something recently, and it was yeah. apparently really well done. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, really... System Shock is a totally different thing. They It was more of, it's like... It's more than a remaster. It's a reimagining that was, kind of. That was a remake in a lot yeah, of ways. A yeah, a remake, and yes. More I, like um, the Resident Evil, Evil kind of remakes. Speaking of analysis paralysis, I've been meaning to put that on my Steam wish list just because I know that at some point I would probably enjoy playing System Shock because I've never even played the original. I don't think I've ever finished two. 
I never finished the first one. I finished the second one. It's basically Probably just more than Omega once, Virus, the video game. I know. That sounds great. It, it, there are hacker moments, I remember. And the hacking, I believe, was cooler in the first game than it was the second game. Yeah, I think you could hack literally any like enemy that you came across in the first well, game. Um, which is crazy. Yeah. But, yeah. So, anyway... Uh, there were there were some announcements that came out. There was a lot of footage that was shown. They played like forty minute, or they shut they shut off a lot of Alan Wake two, um, which I think they delayed just a couple weeks in October to get it away from some of the other releases that are coming out this fall, which is fine by me. Um, and you know there were a few other smaller announcements and just showing off footage of games that existed. Like I think Black Myth Wukong had a. Uh, had a bit of a showing there as well, but, um, you know, nothing too crazy. So we didn't feel the need to go in depth, but if anybody out there is excited about something at Gamescom and thinks we should be paying attention to it, please send it our way. MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you can find all the places you can listen to the show at MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to JCK, Tom Z, David Owen, Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks to join the Patreon is to get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. Side Quests veer outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. Otherwise, they just pop up in the regular feed. Your call. Uh, other than that, next time, probably talking about Starfield and only Starfield would be my guess, but I could be wrong. We'll see how things go. I think you're right. Uh, but I'm beyond excited for that game. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so, so good. I feel the same way about it now as I felt when Skyrim came out. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you feel like when No Man's Sky was gonna come out. <laughs> Look at how that went. I don't know if I was this excited about No Man's Sky. I was pretty excited about it. I don't think I was this excited about it. Cause it, even then, like they didn't show all the combat stuff like they did. Like the combat in Starfield looks way more interesting than combat in No Man's Sky, and it's gonna control better because Bethesda has been doing shooter mechanics with fallout stuff more than who is it? hello games did you know so true and i think they said um they took a lot of they took a lot of advice from the dudes at id software like id software for like shooter mechanics specifically like the they brought in like one of the doom teams to like teach them about how to do like shooting right in like a space game so I think that was in that that last one of the one of the interviews that Todd Howard gave. Like he talked about that for a bit, but the, that's that's the thing is like Bethesda being brought on Microsoft. They now have like endless amounts of money behind them in a way, and like Bethesda being tied to ID Software, like they have like all these resources for like you you kind of can't fuck up shooting mechanics now. Like I mean, you <laughs> could still, I'm sure, but. <clears throat> You have like the the gods of shooting games like working beneath you or in in tangent with you, you know, like 
This is this game's gonna be a a fucking powerhouse. It's gonna be so good. I'm I'm so excited for it. So, Starfield, get ready for it. It's coming. I'm still debating whether or not I actually want to pull the trigger on like buying the premium edition upgrade so I can play it five days early. But yeah, August thirty first at like eight, 8 PM, p.m. Eastern uh, for those that buy it. Uh, by like the premium edition or whatever and then September 6th is the release date for the normies yep so you know we'll see how that goes yep get ready for it Starfield's coming other than that we'll catch you guys next time peace peace